Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Connery Book wherever you get your podcast. You watch it on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media, A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I have stories up now about the hiring, of course, of Washington Commanders coach Dan Quinn. And in a minute, I'm going to have on D. Orlando Ledbetter, who covered Quinn for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution when Quinn was with the Falcons. So he can tell, he can give you a lot of insight into what happened there with Quinn as a coach. Were the problems his coaching or were the problems his personnel moves, which he's not going to be responsible for here in Washington. So learn a lot from D, and I appreciate him coming on. And again, you're going to find out some insight into what happened there, something that you can learn. Again, not everything is great, man. I, like, I've told you that I've heard a lot of good things about Dan Quinn. He's not a perfect coach. I heard a lot of good things about everybody else in this process. None of them were perfect coaches because there were unknowns to each. Would Ben Johnson have been a good head coach? We know what kind of a play caller he is. He's really good. Can he go identify talent? I don't know. Can, you know, is Mike McDonald, is he going to be the kind of, dy- is he a dynamic leader? I don't know. I think there were questions about that in Baltimore, but we know he's a terrific play caller. With Dan Quinn, we know that he had some success in Atlanta. We also know that you know his team lost a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. They were there, though. We also know that he got fired from there. And, and we also know he's a really good defensive coordinator. Can he sustain success as a as a as a head coach? We'll find out. So, and is he is he in a better spot to do so than he was in Atlanta? So all that stuff. But I understand the questions that people have. Regarding him, I have the same questions about a lot of guys. And again, you don't, nothing is a slam dunk success. I, I will always keep saying this and I'm going to say it to D. It's all about hiring the staff and then the quarter, how you, what you do at quarterback, because they haven't solved that position here for a long time. Some coaches have been able to do okay while developing one, but it's really hard to win um, consistently until you find one. So, going to be a big key for, for, Quinn and then whomever he hires as the OC and even as DC, because if he, you know, I, you know, he called some plays in, in Atlanta, but he also had a coordinator and I think they're going to be entrusted with doing a lot as well. So anyway, get into a lot of stuff with D Orlando. You don't need anything more from me. I have nothing more to add. We'll get more into the coaching search uh, or the assistant coaching search on Monday. I'm expecting the press conference to be Monday. That's not set in stone yet. So we don't know. Um, and also, as a program note, for you, I'm going to be doing a private Zoom session for the gold members on Friday, Friday early Friday evening. Stay tuned for that. That that show, that's a private Zoom for the gold, and then it will be available to the other members after I'm done. Um, so if you want to become a member, go to the Empire Media YouTube page. You'll see the word join. Click on that. Find your level, uh, the the membership tier level that you were interested in joining and go from there. And I appreciate everybody who does. So thank you very much. Now, here's my conversation with D. Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, talking Dan Quinn. Well, D., I wanted to have you on because you covered Dan Quinn with the Falcons. So I'm just curious, in general, what do you think Washington is getting in a head coach? Yeah, Dan's an enthusiastic leader. Uh, you know, he's uh, you know learned under Pete Carroll and uh, with Gus Bradley and those guys out in Seattle. 
Um, you know, the Legion of Boom was already built by the time he got there, and he tried to recreate that here in Atlanta and um, looked to be off to a good start, you know, going to the uh, Super Bowl in year two. But uh, after that, you know, uh, the I didn't people thinking that the Super Bowl, uh, that's the elephant in the room here, right? Right. <laughs> People think that after the Super Bowl, they never recovered. No, that wasn't the case. They had a top 10 defense. The next year might have been his best job of coaching uh, in 2017 uh, to get them to back to the playoffs. And they're on the one-yard line ready to go in and win and uh, beat the Eagles and Nick Foles. They were favored in that game. They dropped the interception before, but, you know, so they didn't get it done. And that, you know, that team competed for two Super Bowls in my mind, and after that, you know, injuries uh, started to to affect the defense he was building, and uh, losing Kyle Shanahan to the 49ers after Super Bowl 51 was also a big blow that the Falcons could not overcome. So let's look at, like, what what went right early in his, in his tenure? What were some of the things that they did well under him? And just what what buttons did he push that were good? Like what qualities that really stood out? Yeah, the physicality of the defense, they wanted to attack um, to, uh, uh, offenses, and he went out and got some young players that could do that. They had to start by getting fast. Their whole thing was, uh, you know, playing fast and attacking uh, because that's what the Saints were. Right. So if they were going to do anything in the NFC South, they were going to have to catch up to Drew Brees and the Saints. They had fallen off a little bit. So they needed speed with these smallish linebackers to get after Kamara and, uh, you know, the Bush, whoever it was. It was Bush, Kamara, all kind of ran right. together uh, at that at, at that spot. And, you know, it went from Marcus Colston to, you know, Big Mike Thomas. Uh, but, yeah, they had to catch up to them and play, uh, you know, more than just, you know, the cover two shell and, you know, just tackle really hard. They they started out with that, but then it evolved into other things. How, how did players receive him? How did players? How what they think of him? Oh, they love Coach Dan. He was a uh, player's, uh, you know, you hate saying players, Coach, but um, I, they never did not play hard. I mean, you know, even when – uh, you know, they were blowing coverages and, you know, some of the draft picks didn't work out. Uh, you know, they still tried to play hard. So, you know, even when they got up, um, you know, they they uh, they started blowing leads a lot, uh, you know, to Dallas comes to mind, Chicago at home. Uh, the Dallas one was crazy where they stood at, stood at, um, it was the old side kick and they stood and looked at the ball. Oh, yeah. Of, uh, diving on it. Uh, so yeah, it got bad, you know. Uh, you know, coaching wise, he, uh, you know, moving moving folks around, not comfortable with his staff. Had Raheem on offense, moving back to defense. Uh, you know, just a lot of juggling throughout his uh, coaching tenure here that uh, led to probably some of that inconsistent play. But the players loved him, and they played for him. You know, even when they weren't any good at the end there. And and I I want to get to that staff because that to me was obviously a big part of it. But with the players, and it's funny, D, because like I've talked to a lot of people who really like and respect him. You know, they coach with them, they coach there with them, they coach other places with them, or they know him, and they really respect him. And one one coach talked about how he felt like he set he was the best coach he'd been around who set the standard for the building. 
Mm-hmm. Is, did he change things there by doing that? Did he was that a key part of his tenure? Yeah, it was. And at the end, you know, uh, it, it came back to bite him a little bit. He did it with, you know, uh, his people skills, um, you know, phrases, you know, his talks. Everything was about competition. You know, they had a basketball goal in the uh, in the uh, meeting room, you know, for, you know, guys would come up, you make free throws, you know, you win the competition. You know, whatever they did was about competition. And he created an environment uh, in that locker room and with that team that they called the Brotherhood. And the Brotherhood stickers were all over the place on the doors and uh, cafeteria, uh, you know, the weight room, the uh, indoor facility. And, you know, that's why we call him Coach Bro, because <laughs> he was in charge of the Brotherhood. I, I've heard that phrase a lot. I heard that today. Mm-hmm. Is that something that became a tired phrase? Well, yeah, because you know he went, he came with other stuff behind that. Uh, no, uh, no gas, all gas, no brakes. You know he'd have a new force every year, and hey, when they were winning, you know everybody was cool with the brotherhood. Yep. You know they was cool with his catchy sayings and so forth. But you know the radio guys got a hold of once they started going downhill. They were like, I don't want to hear about no brakes and gas and all that. I just want to hear about some talking or some tackling. Uh, so yeah, you know, um, uh, that was uh, that was something that came in boomerang dawning. Yeah, and you know, Washington fans are probably saying like, we just heard a bunch of phrases up here with Ron Rivera too. So, you know, you, what you want are the results. And um, with when when the ch- coaching staff was, staffs are being changed, obviously Kyle Shannon is a very good offensive play caller. Where where do you think some of the mistakes that Dan Quinn made after Kyle left? Like, was it in who he hired, or or what? What were the mistakes? Yeah, um, you know, at the time he had uh, Matt Lafleur and Mike McDaniel on the staff, and uh, you know, they I I didn't think they were ready, so he I know he didn't. Uh, one was a quarterbacks coach, one was a quality control assistant. So you know they they're they're young. They're you know it made sense to go get a, a an established play caller and Steve Sarkeesian, you know who had called plays before and had done a pretty good job of it. Uh, so so that was in retrospect that might have been a mistake. But McClure might not have been ready because he goes to Tennessee, then the Rams, and gets the, the Green Bay job out of the clear blue early. Right, and then uh, Mac, Mac, McDaniel gets what. Miami some five years later where he's been under Kyle directly, you know, not in some ancillary role for a couple years. But who knows if those guys were ready right then, uh, you know, that would have helped the Falcons out a great deal. What, where do you think like, um, and then the last couple of years, what were some of the issues that popped up that led to, I guess, his demise in Atlanta? Yeah. Um, the drafting of, um, you know, offensive lineman was a problem for Thomas Dimitrov. Uh, you know, uh, Caleb McGarry was wasn't very good at right tackle, so he he couldn't pass block. He could just run block. So Matt Ryan was getting sacked. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at a high rate there at the end. Um, and then they were missing on the draft altogether. Um, you know, Jalen Collins in the second round wasn't a good pick. Uh, you know, they were missing in free agency. Dante Fowler didn't work out, right. so they didn't have a pass rush. Um, uh, Isaiah Oliver was a second-round pick they thought could play corner. He ended up being a nickelback. Uh, yeah, the, uh, you know, Quinn had 
too much control over the roster and the drafting in retrospect, and they shouldn't have gave him those powers. That's kind of why, you know, I'm on an off tangent here, but Belichick's not here, <laughs> but uh, because uh, they they gave Quinn too much power that he wasn't ready to, you know, he shouldn't have been overseeing the draft. Thomas Dimitrov should have kept that or get a GM, but he was drafting the guys he liked and. and you know, maybe uh, missing on some some you know better talented players and so forth. So he had that much control there. Yeah, yeah. PK, he uh, bargained. He was hot. You got to remember, he's hot when he's coming from the Legion of Boom, and the coach wanted the owner wanted the hottest candidate, uh, and he was able to parlay that uh, into his, you know big um, influence over the fifty three men and and you know some of the draft situations. Uh, yeah, so it was a uh, it was a good you know it wasn't a good move for the organization. It was a good move for him. So, do you think knowing what you know about him and knowing that like Adam Peters has the control here in that regard, do you think this is a good move by Washington? Yeah, I think he certainly can coach, uh, you know, and certainly can get the locker room behind him. And now that he doesn't have to worry about draft meetings, what the scouts are doing, grading who. Um, his job will be to, you know, um, we, we talked about buying the groceries and all that kind of good stuff from the old Parcells quote. Now he's just cooking. He's in the kitchen cooking and coaching up the team, uh, you know, trying to come up with ways to, you know, get back on top in the NFC East there. So I think he's certainly capable of that. Um, his experience here probably taught him, hey, I better have some control over the offense. If I got, if they're going to throw the ball, <laughs> When I should be running out the clock, I better stop him this time. <laughs> you know, so I think he's got a lesson there that, you know, everybody got. So yeah, uh, whoever his offensive coordinator is going to be, he's not going to have as much freedom as he let Kyle had. I, I'm sure of that. Yeah, well, I guess, yeah, if you're in the Super Bowl, you may want to run at a time or two late in the game. <laughs> so, when, yeah. but also, you know, the other thing, when, when you're a player's coach, as you know, and like that can be a negative term, but mm-hmm. a lot of guys that I know when they talk about players coach, it's about, well, he helps us take care of our bodies. He helps us do this. Not just that we like him. It's that he, we, I like playing for him. But when you have a guy who is like, he is about relationships, he's about more than just being a player that can also maybe lead to maybe other issues down the road. The word entitlement, you know, sometimes you hear that. Was that an issue at the end of his tenure? And then when Arthur got there replacing him. Yeah, um, you know, as they were, you know, um, it kind of started with Matt Ryan's a six-year, $150 million extension uh, right after the uh, 17th season. I'm in Minnesota, wherever that Super Bowl was. And so there, after that, you know, Julio's upset. He keeps coming back in for money. They'd already taken care of him once. Then they're taking care of Deion Jones. You know, they're, they're, they're going for these second contracts. Because they think they have a championship level team, so they lean into that, um, you know, situation and, and try to keep going as a, a franchise, and, and so it didn't happen. In uh, eighteen, you know, it's too late. They've already paid all this money, and they can't win. They can't cover anybody. Uh, you know, uh, that game down in Houston. I remember they were. Houston, um, Deshaun cut them up so bad they made the poor Will Fuller, Will Fuller, Will Fuller look like Lynn Swan that day. He had about <laughs> two hundred something yards. 
Uh, but yeah, so at that point, when the new people come in, you got the guys with contracts. Uh, you know, they're not winning. You know, they're seven and nine, seven and nine. Uh, and then they go five and, uh, you know, whatever they went, uh, four and 16 under the Brian Quinn year. So, you know, those guys are still here. They still got contracts. And this old new group comes in and says, oh, we got to break up this sense of entitlement. So, you know, they start running them off one by one. Uh, only kept uh, Grady Jarrett and Jake Matthews. Um, but we, um, when the Falcons went to Dallas to play what, you know, we secretly called the Entitlement Bowl, um, Quinn and them really lit into the Falcons. And Dallas won 40 to 3 or something. And, uh, you know, Quinn was, I understand, Quinn was pretty stoked about that win. Uh, over the Falcons. What did his, did his style play a role in that, or was it more just about the contracts? Um, no, um, injuries were part of it. Okay. Uh, you know, your two main guys are Deion Jones and Keon O'Neill in his setup. You know, and so you know, you take them out, and you got backups out there. That that hurts. Then you got a rookie cornerback who can't really play. Um, you know, a second round pick, but you got to play him because you took him so high. Uh, you don't have a pass rush uh, because, you know, uh, Big Beasley just goes straight downhill after 2016. So, um, yeah, it was a bunch of factors. Uh, injuries, Beasley disappearing on them, um, you know, draft picks that couldn't play. And, and you know, it was all just a cause, you know, collision of everything that could go wrong. Because at that Super Bowl defense, nine of the 11 starters were in their first or second year. So they're thinking, hey, we got defense for the next, you know, five, six years. But, you know, one by – I can go by one by one. Jalen Collins starts getting suspended for weed. Deion gets hurt. Keanu gets hurt. You can't find Vic Beasley. Uh, Grady Jarrett's about the only one that kept on playing through. Uh, but, yeah, it, it, it um, everything um, on um, three different levels went bad for that defense that they were expecting to carry them, kind of take over as Matt got older. And they could take more off Matt's plate and still contend, but it just didn't work like that. Were you surprised that like that he were you surprised by that Super Bowl run? Um yeah, it came out of nowhere. It came out of nowhere. Um uh, you know, I, the the teams before them were a lot better under Coach Mike Smith. We kind of we were planning Super Bowl uh coverages at that point, uh in twelve and ten. Uh but uh this team, you know, they went they got they started real hot under Quinn, then finished real bad. And then they were always streaky under Quinn. And then the next year they got hot right in the middle of the season. And I, I'm looking, I'm thinking about the the week 14. I'm looking at the schedule. I'm like, oh God, they're getting ready to win the division. And and wow, there's nobody in their way in the playoffs, except for the Packers. And they had already kind of dusted them up already. So um it was a it was a, a quick um it was a late burn on that season, you know, playoff, you know, it was like, Hey, maybe they can just get back to the playoffs. But, you know, uh, late in the season, it was like, wait a minute, they got a shot to get to the Super Bowl. So two more things, D and I appreciate your time. Um, one, is there a style like of, of, of his teams? Is there a trait that his teams typically displayed? Yeah, they're going to fight. They're going to fight. They're going to fight. It's going to be physical and they're going to get after people. Um, you know, you you, uh, you saw it even in the Super Bowl. They got after Brady. They were yeah. jumping routes. 
Uh, you know, they just weren't on the field too long. But they were jumping routes early. They were lighting them up. Grady Jarrett was in the backfield. He's going to try to attack people. And and the one thing that he, he does, uh, he, he likes boxing. He's a big boxing guy. So the team ends up watching a lot of boxing, uh, uh, you know, fights and, you know, boxing stories. So they, um, you know, he thinks that, you know, those are the true warriors that go to fight in the ring. And so they'll be hearing a lot of uh, Ali stories. Uh, I know we saw uh, old Harbaugh doing that on the internet last week, but. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they'll hear, they'll hear about uh, a lot of Ali, a lot of Liston, uh, Evander, He'll, uh, you know, have some boxing folks come to practice. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a, that's that going to battle. You know, if he's going to lose, he's going to lose swinging, and that's the way his teams play. Well, if he talks about smoking Joe, I'll be all for that too. So um, I'm la- sure he last- will. I'm sure he's got some smoking Joe yeah. in his uh, cachet. So last one is then Atlanta hires Raheem Morris. What would you think of that hire? And like, I mean, that guy was here. I think he's. I think it's. Well deserved that he gets another shot. What did you think of that hire? Yeah, I think it was a, a good hire for them. Uh, you know, certainly somebody with head coaching experience, someone that uh knows, you know, he's not guessing, he's not doing it for the first time. And uh, you know, to be fortunate enough to get a second shot at it, uh, you know, that was good for him. So I I given who who was out there, um, you know, basically in the head coaching realm was Bill Check. Uh, Harbaugh and Mike Vrabel and uh, Raheem. And, and so Raheem is a good fit for them. Uh, Harbaugh and Bilicek would have required a whole major, you know, the owner stepping aside and going to his booth and letting them take over and dictate the thing. And he didn't want to do that again after Quinn. So we'll see how Raheem goes. He just got two. He's got two first-time coordinators um, on offense and defense. So we don't know what we're getting there. Uh, but he kept the uh, special teams coordinator, Marquise Williams. So, uh, you know, that, that if they don't get a quarterback, it won't matter. So uh, well, but for Rock yeah. Game, it's a good outlook. And that's what I say here is like, you know, all the stuff we're talking about, Dan Quinn, if you don't hire the right staff and find the quarterback, it doesn't matter who you have. That's right. And uh, you got to take uh, multiple swings at it. You know, if you can't get a veteran, you got to go in the draft. If you, you know, you can't. Uh, if you can't get on a free agency or trade or, uh, you know, you got you got to turn over every stone. Draft one first, draft one late. That's Washington kind of did that. They've done that with, a couple uh, times. Cousins and RG3. Um, I do that every year till I find a quarterback. I Until you have one, you got to keep finding one. Yep. There you go. No doubt, John. Hey, I listen, man, I appreciate your time. Great insight. Thank you very much. Sure. No problem, John. Thanks for having me on your podcast. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Dear Orlando for joining me. And thank you, as always, for tuning in. I'll be back on Monday morning with another episode. I'll talk to you next time.